Well, welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I am your host, Lupna, the Action Accelerator, and I am joined today by my co-host, the one and only... Gail Edwards. Here I am, personal brand disruptor in the house. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grounding and today we've got a special guest and I know I say that every week because all of them are special as long as they're sushi adoring we have the amazing Jessica Prasini I hope I pronounced that correctly who is on a mission to help high achieving women heal the roots of their emotional eating so they can use food as fuel rather than a way to cope, soothe, and attempt to escape their busy, stressful life. From over a decade of research and her own personal emotional eating journey, Jessica consciously created her uniquely effective escape from emotional eating process and programs because Overeaters Anonymous didn't resonate with her and the 932 hours she spent in therapy never helped her end her fight with food. Jessica knew there needed to be a different kind of support when that got to the roots of her emotional eating. Now being 100% free from her compulsions with food, Jessica helps other high achieving women to do the same. Jessica, welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. Woo! Thank you, I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Let's dive in straight to the most important question of this podcast. What's your favorite sushi? And how did you discover your love for sushi? So my favorite sushi is definitely just a plain old salmon avocado roll. Nothing fancy. I get it every time that I get sushi. That's my number one thing. And I actually didn't really come to love sushi until probably my 20s. And I actually started with a Philadelphia roll. I thought having, so it's salmon and cream cheese, and I'm from Philadelphia, and it's named, you know, Philadelphia Roll for the Philadelphia Cream Cheese, but I originally, like, started eating sushi because of that roll, because I thought that if I didn't like it, at least the cream cheese would mask any kind of, like, fishy taste, and I remember my girlfriends and I, we would go to this like sushi happy hour after we went to spin class on Mondays where they had half price sushi. And that's honestly where I started like developing a taste for sushi. And then, you know, I really found the things that I liked and I will always get a salmon avocado roll. Mm. (laughs) I'm loving that there is something called sushi happy hour I that, know. that has blown my mind mm-hmm. everything was half price and they had really great like martinis oh. and 
So on Mondays, we would go to spin class and then we would change and we would go to this, we would go to Sushi Mondays where they had half price sushi and it was, it was the best. <laughs> if anyone is listening to this podcast that can make this happen here in the UK, in London in particular, please can we have Sushi Mondays, Sushi Cocktail Hour, Sushi Happy Hour. Let's make that happen because that needs to happen. I'm no, there. Um, and I'm even willing, another crazy idea, is to start a petition to get it in yeah. Europe completely. Yeah. The one, the very first restaurant that starts a sushi happy hour. Please. Absolutely. I would be there. I'm more than happy to become a brand ambassador for that one. Yes, please. <laughs> so Jessica, your story from, you know, from what um, Lubna was saying in the introduction, your story is quite fascinating because most people who are watching this podcast, now that we've gone to video, most people who are watching this podcast will either think, oh, did she just say Overeaters Anonymous? Or she doesn't look like someone who had an issue. Maybe she's overcome it. What did she do? So you're going to get people who are thinking, hmm, and other people are thinking, I want to know what she did. So just talk us through that a little bit. What exactly was your journey that where you went from being at Overeaters Anonymous to, I suppose, where you are now, where you're, like you say, you've recovered and you've healed and you're sitting there now being able to help other women? Yeah. So as I was telling you a little bit earlier, Gail, that my first experience or my first memory of emotional eating was from when I was six years old. And for the next 25 years, I had this love, hate, torturous relationship with food. Where food always had power over me. Like almost like I was in a trance. It was the first thing that I thought about when I woke up in the morning, I would you know, feel like I know I shouldn't be eating this, but I couldn't stop myself. Like whenever food was around, like I just ate it. When I was stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, I would eat. It was my best friend. It was my safety blanket. And no matter how difficult or challenging or overwhelming my life got to be, food was always there for me. I would always look forward to like when I could eat again. And I tried managing it in, in many different ways. I, you know, tried eating healthy and then even took that to the next level by going to nutrition school. And I ended up binging my way through nutrition wow. school. And I was like, okay, so it's not really about that. Then I'm going to work out as much as I can. And there came a point where I quit my corporate job and became a fitness instructor because I figured if I can make working out my job, then, then I will have this food thing under control. And that only totally exacerbated my emotional eating even more. Mm. And it was at that point that I was really starting to feel out of control. I remember trying to talk to my friends about like how crazy and compulsive I felt around food. And they were like, oh, Jessica, you know, like everyone overeats. Come on, like, let's go work out. Let's work it off. And I tried to talk to my partner about it. And he was like, oh, Jessica, you know, I'll love you no matter what size you are. 
which is beautiful and everything we want our partners to say. But when it came to me, I was like, how can he love me when all I want to do is crawl out of my own skin? Mm -hmm. And I spent years and years in therapy and I just really felt like my relationship with food was really missed and glossed over and even avoided in a lot of the support that I was receiving. And, you know, there was talk about putting me on medication and I was just like, I'm already numbing myself with food. I don't want to continue to be numb. Like that's not why I'm here. And it was at that point where like, I just really started to feel like maybe I have to live with this. Like maybe this is my burden I have to bear for the rest of my life. Maybe I'm not meant to be at peace with food. Maybe this is just a pipe dream. And I remember really grappling with that and just making this decision. Like I can't continue living this way. It completely robs my energy. I know I was meant for more. I know like I'm only operating at like half of my capacity because so much of my time and energy is spent focusing on food. Like I don't want to do this anymore. And it was at that point where I really dedicated myself to investigating every single nook and cranny of my relationship with food. And I found answers. I discovered the four roots of emotional eating And when I focused fully and completely on healing those roots, that's when everything changed. And now it's almost five years since I have emotionally eaten or felt compulsive around food in any way. It is not how I manage my stress or my anxiety at all. It is a nourishing asset. I have peace around it. I move on with my life after I eat. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm satiated. Like everything feels so simplified now. And most of all, like I've taken all of that energy and brain space that used to be consumed by food and I've reclaimed it. And I've been able to channel it to not only my own healing, but helping others And I channel it into being present, you know, in my relationships, being present in my life and, and really feeling like I'm fulfilling my life's purpose. I find that very fascinating because I think that a lot of people are overeating or using eating to cope with emotions. So if you don't mind, I would like to dig a little bit deeper into that because I think a lot of people might not know or not aware of themselves as maybe using that as a coping strategy. For you, was it mm-hmm. only with the negative emotions that food came into place or also with the positive emotions? Because most of the time I find that a lot of people associate overeating in emotional eating with the negative emotions. Is that really the case? Mm-hmm. No. And for a lot of people that I work with, they'll do the same thing with positive emotions. They'll eat when they're sad or they'll eat when they're happy. And the reason being is because to the body, it doesn't matter whether it's excitement or anxiety 
the body interprets it in the same way. The body is saying, I'm being stimulated. And to someone who is working a very, you know, high level, high stress job or lifestyle, adding stimulation onto stimulation is just very overwhelming to the body. So that is where we become ingrained and in pattern when we feel anything, whether it's positive or negative or light or dark, we will seek to numb it. Well, I'm fascinated and I really think that it's important to dig a little bit deeper because I see a lot of people using eating as a coping mechanism. And one of the things that I found fascinating in what you shared is that you couldn't talk to anyone in your circle of influence or in your inner circle that would actually take you seriously. And that fascinated me because Gail and I have spoken before on the importance of your tribe, of the people that you surround yourself and the impact that they can have on you. I was wondering if you can elaborate a little bit more on that and especially connect it to the overeating anonymous and the therapy, because in your case, both did not work. Mm -hmm. So I tried talking to a lot of people about what was going on. Like I said, like my friends, my partner, professionals. I even remember saying to like one of my fitness instructors, like I'm eating like a horse. Like I remember saying those words to her, like I'm eating like a horse. And looking back on it, I don't think they knew what emotional eating really was because I didn't know what emotional eating really was. Mm. I think a lot of people have this stereotype in their mind of someone being obese, someone sitting on their couch, crying and eating a whole bag of potato chips. And I was working out every single day. I was certified in nutrition and health coaching. I would probably be the last person that you would expect to have compulsions with food because I had this exterior of being a very healthy person. And a lot of the food, especially as I got older and became very health conscious, a lot of the food that I was emotionally eating was healthy. So like I wasn't checking a lot of the boxes and I don't think a lot of people knew what to do like because there wasn't really a language for it. And that's what I'm really passionate about, like sharing my story because people will say like, you didn't really have it. You don't have a lot of weight to lose. And I'm like, you know what? I'm right but I'm not the only one that struggles in this way. And actually a lot of health coaches, doctors, even therapists are my clients because they are using food to cope. And when it comes to Overeaters Anonymous, so I actually never went. I could never really bring myself to sit in one of their meetings for a couple of reasons. Number one, I come from many generations of addiction and alcoholism. And I felt like going there and going into a 12-step program just was not the right fit for me. 
while looking back on it, I could probably say, yeah, maybe I was addicted to food, but that's not how I would describe it. I describe it as I was compulsive. And when it came to Overeaters Anonymous, there tends to be this belief that being an emotional eater is like this chronic thing that you have to live with for the rest of your life. And I was really clear, like, I don't believe that. And there's even research that comes out and has come out that says emotional eating is a learned behavior that we have to unlearn. And I truly believe that. So when it came to trying to find the support that was the right fit for me, Overeaters Anonymous just really did not resonate for those reasons because I didn't want to live with it for the rest of my life. I didn't want to go somewhere to just vent my feelings and then feel other people venting their feelings. And then we're just sitting in this pot of feelings. Like I wanted to work through it and move on and live differently. That's essentially what I did. Mm. And you know, Jessica, just hearing you talk about your experience and you know, how you kind of shied away from the whole 12 step process. I can really resonate with that, you know, cause I know there have been times in my life where I have felt very compulsive and there've been other times where I think, okay, I've got this licked now. This is great. But one of the things that you kind of touched on that I think is really important for people to know, for those that are listening to this is that being an emotional eater is not the same as being overweight. Right. Yeah. It's not the same. You can be like yourself healthy weight, you know, you present healthily, but you still had compulsions around food. And you can be somebody like me who presents not so healthily that has no compulsion around food. So I just wanted to really highlight that, but also to ask you, with your clients, I was quite interested in you saying that, you know, a lot of therapists and coaches, health professionals also show up as your clients Mm -hmm. now these are people that we're going to for help and I identify with that because in a previous life I was a health coach you know Mm -hmm. so I know exactly what that conflict feels like so how do you address that when your clients come to you knowing that you had those issues how would you address that with a prospective client So when I start working with anyone, we actually do not address food specifically because food is a symptom of a deeper problem. What we're eating and how much we're eating is simply a symptom of a deeper problem. So the work in Escape from Emotional Eating, we actually start, the first step that we take is called Building Emotional Fitness. Because we need to learn how to work with our energy and work with our nervous system so that we're shifting it out of the hypervigilant fight, flight, free state and into a more resting, restorative, rejuvenate state. Because when we're seeking food, that's what we're essentially trying to do. We're trying to downshift. We're trying to almost like calm and change 
how we're feeling. So there are tools that I teach, like it's called digesting emotions and the fear flush and other tools to start to build a sense of food is not my only option. Food is, I can start to change my own energy. I don't need food to do it for me. And that's where there starts to be an inner strength built. And that's where people start to be able to be more present with what is going on in the emotional eating cycle and recognize that their feelings aren't threatening. Energy is not threatening. It's not something that we need to like quick get rid of, but it is something we need to work with and work through and transform. So the first step, we're not talking about food. We're talking about energy and we're talking about emotions and that building emotional fitness. And then from there, we start to untangle physical hunger from emotional hunger because the body is always communicating to us, but we do not understand the language. We think Anytime we quote unquote feel hungry, that we're hungry for food, but we could be hungry for a sense of safety. We could be hungry for a sense of belonging and connection. We could be hungry for a sense of love. I mean, there's so many other things that we need to be nourished, to really be healthy and whole. So that is really about untangling it so you can really understand when are you physically hungry and when are you physically satiated and how to honor that, honor that above all else, no matter how delicious the food is on your plate. And then starting to really understand the language of your emotional body and the emotional food groups that you need and how to self source so that you're not dependent on other people or outside experiences, but you can feed yourself emotionally as well as physically and that really lays a beautiful foundation to where we have access to the roots and this is everything that I'm all about is really healing the roots of emotional eating because if we don't we stay trapped in the emotional eating cycle of insanity you know where you overeat you feel guilty and bloated you overeat more because you feel guilty and bloated. You wonder, why did I eat all of that stuff? I know I shouldn't do that. And you spend years in that cycle. And when we heal the roots is where true freedom comes from. It's where we can truly be free from emotional eating. It's where, you know, I can stand here and say, it's been four and a half years since I've emotionally eaten and my clients can say the same thing. Some of them have reached, you know, their two year mark, their year and a half, their one year since they've emotionally eaten, even during these times, because we've done the deeper roots and healed them. Wow. I just love that you shared that because one of the things that Gail and I are really passionate about when it comes to entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship is authenticity and is being aware mm-hmm. of who you are as a human being. It's one of the reasons why we really emphasize on the personality behind successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, because 
we see a lot of emphasis on strategies and tactics and the next course and the next program, mm-hmm. the next coach and the next mentor, whilst the same pattern, and I could recognize the pattern in your story, Jessica, is that if we don't go to the root, and in our case, that is your personality, is who you are in the core and in the many ways that it can show up in the world and work with that, it doesn't really matter what you do after that because if you start there, you're only patching and it could show up even more in your life if you do that. So I really like that you emphasize going to the root and really I can break the pattern of that cycle more or less. And even though, I mean, someone might be listening right now and thinking the same thought that I just had. I thought, oh, wow, we're talking with someone who is a recovering compulsive eater on a entrepreneur sushi club podcast right now. We're talking about food with someone for whom food was an escape. That is a testament of the work that you've done. And I just had to acknowledge that for a minute. And I'm glad that you did actually, Lubna, because I wanted to raise exactly that same point because I love that you said that in your first kind of like consultation with people when you first start talking to them it's not about the food because so many times we put an abstinence intermittent fasting you name it all of those things we think are the solution I love the fact that you've highlighted that they are not the solution And, and as Lubna says the fact that we are here talking about sushi we're talking about food because food is in its rightful place for you you know you know, it's where it should be. Like you say, it's fuel, it's nourishment. It's nothing yeah. other than that. It doesn't mean anything else other than that. And right. I, I think that's the holy grail for many people that will be listening to this podcast and thinking, actually, I really need some help in this area. So you said that you go to the roots, you address the roots, but you wanted to say, right, I, want, I need to start working on this now. Mm-hmm. Where could they go? What do you have for them, Jessica? So I highly recommend that if anything that I am saying and that we're talking about today resonates with you, that you go to my website, escapefromemotionaleating.com, and there is a free video on there. It's three minutes long, Mm -hmm. and it goes more in depth into what the four roots of emotional eating are and how they are triggering you and the next step that you can take to start healing them. So that's escapefromemotionaleating.com. And what you will find is that the four roots have nothing to do with food. They are not, you need to drink more water. They are not, you need to be sugar-free or gluten-free or anything. Like for example, one of the roots is fear. So anytime that we are eating from stress, anxiety, or overwhelm, those actions are rooted in fear. So it's like getting even deeper underneath the surface of what's going on so we can truly heal it. So I highly recommend going to escapefromemotionaleating.com, watching that video and getting your next steps from there because it will really open your eyes and change your relationship with food. Wow. And that's what people want. They want to change that relationship. Because I call it wonky wiring. Somewhere along the line, the wiring has got a little bit wonky and twisted. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So the other thing, the other point I wanted to highlight as well is that 
the alternative, or not so much alternative therapies, but how else can people help themselves? So once they start to do the work, mm-hmm. you know, such as, you know, as you've just been speaking about through, you know, understanding these roots, once they start to do the work, what else can they do to help themselves? Well, I think the main thing, you know, that healing emotional eating, if there is one common thread that is woven through the entire healing process is listening and listening to yourself. Because every time that we emotionally eat, we are leaving. We are leaving our body. We are leaving the present moment. We are disassociating It's like we're there, but we're not really there because we're either thinking about food or we're eating food. So, so much about the healing journey is really about listening to yourself because when we start to really listen, we understand what we're really hungry for. And so, you know, the best thing that you can do is to start that practice And you've probably heard many different things like, you know, eat without distractions, be present with your food, listen, when are you hungry? And these are all parts of the journey, but just having the awareness that the name of this game is really listening to yourself. Mm. But so many of us, especially as entrepreneurs, We are moving so fast. We are juggling so many hats and we are so busy and totally being honest, busyness is simply another way of numbing. We can fill ourselves with food and, or we can fill our schedules with so much stuff that isn't really moving us in the direction that we need to go. And it is simply a way of saying, I'm so busy. I'm doing all of these actions. Why am I not getting what I want? And it's this self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, then there must be something wrong with me. So the more that we can slow down, we can consciously listen, we can be present and make decisions from a place where we are deeply connected to ourselves that is where our life will really start to come into alignment, food included. So I would say, you know, the first thing is to really just even take a deep breath and even ask yourself, how am I feeling? Mm. Even just asking yourself to be present with this moment, because all we really have is this moment. We don't know if we're going to live forever or you know like another hour or another week or you know like we just don't know so it's about like really being in the moment and not thinking about food and not trying to escape it but really being present and listening and then taking action from that place of connection wow beautiful absolutely wow you you give so much hope to so many people because even in my work I talk to entrepreneurs all the time about the need to heal 
from whatever it is because you don't want those issues showing up in the you know in the boardroom around the negotiating table you know on your webinars even with your clients you just don't want those issues showing up there so Mm -hmm. I love your approach Jessica and I'm glad that there is our tangible resources that people can reach right now if they needed to via your website Mm -hmm. so before we go because you know the time goes by so quickly so before we go, I'm actually going to steal one of Lubna's questions because she normally asks this question, okay? <laughs> it's been fascinating listening to you and because it's a subject so close to my heart as well, I've, I've been so engrossed in what you're saying and like I said, knowing that there is resolution out there. I'm really interested with all the stuff that you've got going on and all the resources and the nurturing and the help that you give to your clients, I'm going to have to ask the all-important question. So if you were a sushi yourself, what would be the ingredients and why? (laughs) If I was a sushi myself, what would be the ingredients? Yeah, and why? You know, what first comes to mind is just a piece of salmon sashimi. You know, from our question earlier, If you didn't know, I really love salmon sushi. (laughs) But there's something really beautiful about just a piece of raw fish and the way that it's been sort of stripped down of any of, you know, the other bells and whistles. And it just is what it is. It doesn't pretend to be something it's not. It doesn't need to add all of these complex tastes or anything but it's really like like the core of sushi right like the core of who we are is the fish and you know I really see myself in that same way of just you know I know people look at me and make a lot of assumptions for their own reasons but you know there's something about myself and my own values that like integrity is really important to me and alignment and you know being in that integrity and I think you know a piece of salmon sashimi is just like stripped down and it's just that beautiful piece of raw fish and it's so delicious in its simplification (laughs) isn't that beautiful I love that we introduced that question. We get the most amazing answers to that question. I really love this one. It's sashimi uh, salmon. I do have to say, do you know that salmon is not Japanese? Oh, yes. We found that out. Salmon is not Japanese sushi. Interesting. But it is American, and I'm an American, so it's good for me. It's actually Norwegian. It was Norwegian. Yeah, that introduced salmon to sushi. It was the Norwegians. Makes sense. Yeah, and when we first found that out, we were kind of like, huh? We were like real deer stuck in headlights because we were like, don't be ridiculous. Because it's such a backbone of sushi here in the West that to us, we didn't mm-hmm. consider that it wasn't Japanese. <laughs> you know? no, yeah, really I can also probably 
probably bet that a Philadelphia roll, right, the salmon and the cream cheese, is definitely not Japanese. That is like full on American, probably East Coast, Philadelphia. <laughs> right on your high street. That's right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, to be really honest, here in the Netherlands, there is the Philadelphia roll on the menu of some of the sushi restaurants. I've never seen it here. Not never seen it here. Yeah, well, I have seen it on multiple menus, and it is exactly what you said: salmon with cream cheese in a roll. Mm-hmm. At least, yeah. it's, at least it's not steak and cream cheese. No, God no. <laughs> no. No, I guess it sort of is built off of you know like lox and cream cheese yeah. that usually happens on like a bagel. I don't know, but that was my gateway into loving sushi and. I used to emotionally eat sushi, so I feel like I've come a long way. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, Good I really you. love that. Uh, well, the question that comes after the question, if you were, is if your business were mm-hmm. a sushi, what would the ingredients be and why? You know, I have to say the same thing, like a beautiful piece of salmon sashimi, because so much of my business was really built from my personal experience, but also, and you know, years of research into the psychology of eating. But also I really think that what I was sharing about like really just being stripped down to like the core of who you are is really the healing journey. You know, it's about letting go of our attachments, our past programming, or, you know, old habits or patterns or stories, and just really being in the present moment and making choices from that place. And it's like stripping away and, and letting go of all the things that really don't serve us and that we don't need mm. so that we can be our authentic self and be who we truly are, and be unapologetic about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Jessica, it has been such a pleasure and such a breath of fresh air. Something tells me that we haven't heard the last of you either. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) And we're definitely looking forward to continuing those kind of discussions. Jessica, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club. Over to you, Lubna. Yeah. Do you want to leave our listeners with one last thing, Jessica, based on everything that we've talked about? Is there something that is really important to wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that these times specifically in what we're going through as a global collective, our world needs you. You know, emotional eating only numbs you. And this is a time to feel emotional eating steals your power and this is a time to take back that power emotional eating silences your voice and this is a time to speak up our world needs you and it needs that part that emotional eating steals now more than ever so my heartfelt hope is that if you are struggling, if you are not fully at peace in your relationship with food, do something about it because it is only holding you back and you are not put on this planet to be held back, not in your personal life and not in your business. 
because we all have missions to fulfill. So show up, do the work. Let's find this freedom. Oh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I do not know what to say after this. And it seems every word after this is nothing in comparison with this very important message from Jessica. So again, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And we would love to know because I'm sure you've taken multiple takeaways from this episode. We would love to know what your biggest takeaway or takeaways are from the conversation that we've had with Jessica. So take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group, The Entrepreneur's Sushi Club. Come and join us and let's play with other sushi-adoring entrepreneurs. We will make sure that we add the link to our group, including all of the links to get in touch with Jessica in the description with this episode. And if you know anyone who will benefit from listening to this episode please do share it with them it's a too important message not to we hope to see you on another one of our episodes for now have fun and enjoy your sushi bye bye <laughs>